So everything is crazy right now with this pandemic and you haven't slept well in days. Your mind won't stop racing and you've barely eaten. And yet you're so committed to a rat race that no one forced you to participate in. You enlisted yourself in this empty chase because you felt like you had something to prove to the world. That everybody needed to know that you can be somebody. They needed to see it, believe it, and acknowledge it. So you ended up devoting yourself to this narrative that your self-worth was based on what people saw on your LinkedIn page. That your credibility as a quote-unquote person with a life was measured by your social media footprint. Whether it was your Instagram, your Twitter, your Facebook, your Snapchat, and whatever fuck else is out there these days. But now you're bleeding. And you know this. You can't even look at yourself in the mirror because you're afraid of facing the bloodshed you brought on yourself. So, tell me this. Why are you still running? This was the topic of a discussion I had with Rocky Garza, an identity coach based out of uh, Dallas, Texas. So, press play, heal, connect, and then share the episode with a loved one. Um, so I've already started recording uh, the episode. Um, so usually at this time, I give the guests an opportunity to introduce themselves, you know, let the listeners know what they do. Um, and just, I don't know, take it away from there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on uh, and giving me the opportunity to chat with you. Uh, in, in most importantly, to chat with your audience. And so uh, my name is Rocky Garza. I live in Dallas, Texas, actually just south of downtown uh, in, a, in a place called Oak Cliff. Um, lived here for uh, about um, seven or eight years. I've been in Dow- back in Dallas for about 12 years, where I'm originally from. Um, married, have a wife, been married for a little over 11 years, um, have a five-year-old boy and a two-year-old little girl, um, and then have been self-employed for about the last 10 and a half years or so. So um, uh, for the last five and a half years, I uh, have the business I have now. So spend my time uh, doing keynote speaking and workshops um, on kind of on the corporate side. And then with individuals, um, do one-on-one and men's group coaching um, and uh, specifically around identity. So identity, purpose, who you are, what that means, why that matters, and really how to build a language for ourselves. Um, I think for many of us, um, it's not that we don't know who we are. It's that we don't have the right language to talk about who we are. And so we don't have anything to look at and to believe and see about ourselves. And so um, spent the last five and a half years or so doing that. Prior to that, my wife and I were actually wedding photographers uh, full time for about five and a half years. Um, prior to that, I was on pastoral staff at a church. And prior to that, I was a summer camp director at a summer camp in East Texas. And prior to that, I was in college. So that's kind of the my career path, if you will, has kind of led me down the road um, where now today in, in 20, 2020, I just say, you know, the last um, I, I graduated college, let's see, about 15 years ago. So the last 15 years, I, I spent a chunk of time in ministry, which I just define as deeply caring for people, a chunk of time uh, as, a, as a creative entrepreneur. Um, and then I can marry all that together now. Really, if I attempt to become an expert at anything, I just want to be a people expert. And so I think the ability to help people see themselves, understand who they are, what that means, why that matters, um, uh, is, is where I want to spend my time. It makes a lot of sense that you've done pastoral work before because your oratorical skills are just phenomenal. My God. <laughs> Thank like, you. <laughs> no, like every time I, I, I watch one of your videos, it's like, wow, like it, 
like the words enter my course so quickly without asking my permission. They just kind of go in and they just change my outlook in that moment. So it makes a lot of sense when you said that. I was like, huh, that, that sinks. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. You know, I think you, uh, you, you very uh, eloquently yourself, I think, put into words really, I think, something for me that for a really long time, uh, and, and even now, to some extent, has always been a struggle, especially on the business side, is to communicate to um, whether that's to a leader, whether that's to an organization, a group, a team, when they say, okay, great, we'd love to have you speak. What are you going to talk about? And I tell them, and they're like, okay, well, like, you know, we're in, we're in rental properties, or we're in finance, or we're in, you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield, or Hilton, or whoever it is, you know, and there's this part that's like, hey, I I, I don't know anything about insurance. So if, if you're hiring me because you want me to come and talk to your sales team about selling insurance, I'm not your guy. Uh, but if you want me to come in and talk to your team who sells insurance about being an individual, a human being, that you genuinely care about them and that you're willing to show them by paying me and allowing me a space to communicate truth in their life, I think they might actually sell more, be more productive, be more effective, be more efficient because they have a confidence in themselves. And so if that is something that you desire, then I'm probably your guy. And I think what you said very eloquently um, comes across from me sometimes uh, not as genuine when I tell someone, hey, if you'll let me come and talk to your corporate staff, I'm going to get to there. I'm, uh, uh, here, here's what I found. Most places, I used to think it was just in the corporate space. It's the easiest analogy to use. But I think it's for all of us. When we are in places... This is, a, this is a new thought to me, so it's coming, it's coming straight, straight, from the, straight out of the head, my brain today. When we are in places where we are not threatened by past the fear of past trauma, we tend to leave a window to our soul open that we don't feel like we have to fight to close because we don't assume anyone's going to get in there. And so what I have found, my specialty, being in the corporate space, is that when people go to work, most of us, leave the window to our soul open because they don't think anyone's going to try to get in there because they're at work. I try really hard, not in a manipulative way, in a very genuine way, that in those spaces to show them that it is okay and appropriate to allow themselves to be seen in that way. And when they do is why that we're 15 minutes into a you know 90 minute keynote slash workshop at a, a major corporation. And there's people who are feeling emotional and they're, they're recognizing something about themselves they've never seen before. And it's simply because there was a window of their soul they left open and we got going and they decided, you know what, we're here, so we might as well just open it up all the way. Why not? Um, mm -hmm. I think there's a part of that for all of us, that when we find ourselves in positions, we kind of take that metaphor and now take that out of just a work environment. I think when we recognize and are willing to not only address our trauma, but to take ourselves and put ourselves in position where we don't have to be in fear that we're going to experience it again is potentially where we find the highest levels of clarity and freedom. That's so true. Oh my gosh, that's so true. Everything you just said. So you see, you're already like preaching to me and I'm losing my mind already. <laughs> um, but, like, like, you know, it's funny because over the past, I think, I guess, decade or maybe longer, a lot of corporate uh, companies have realized that emotional intelligence is actually the most important piece of running a business, right? Like people understanding people. Because at the end of the day, no matter what you're doing, you're dealing with people. So you need to be able to have that emotional intelligence. I agree. I think that's a, I think it is. And I think, and I think it's been interesting that we have coined, I say we, <clears throat> I didn't have anything to do with it, uh, that the, the, the term has been coined like emotional intelligence, you know? Yeah. Um, as, as though there are some of us who are emotionally unintelligent, you know? Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't, 
I don't necessarily know that it's like emotional intelligence. I, I the, the word we get, we get chalked up in the kind of corporate space and you and I are, neither of us are responsible for that. We just kind of get to participate in it. But <laughs> I actually think that most of us, when it comes to our emotions are wildly intelligent. And I think most of us, even those of us that would say we are logical and we are rational and we don't let our feelings get the best of us and uh, are some of the most emotional people and the most that I know where we lack is the freedom that we give ourselves to express those emotions and not feel like that's going to be a representation or a marker for our value as a human being. And so if you have bad emotions and you're a bad person, if you have negative emotions, you're a negative person. If you right. And so we go, well, then to be emotionally intelligent means you have to be smart about what emotions to share. Mm-hmm. I know okay. a lot of people who would say they're emotionally intelligent and I would also call them emotionally void. Mm-hmm. They just kind of live life in neutral. Well, I, I think if we got rid of emotional intelligence and gave ourselves the ability to say, do we have our, do we have one emotional awareness and two, do we give ourselves emotional freedom? True. That's so true. That's so true. So, uh, Rocky, today I wanted to focus on contentment because um, it is a very key ingredient to self-love. As you know, my podcast is about self-love. So I wanted to really explore contentment. So finish this sentence for me. Um, I am content with everything that I have in my life because. I am content with everything that I have in my life because one, I believe that uh, I deserve it. Two, uh, when I look at what I have, I genuinely believe that it's good. And I think three, um, because I think uh, for the first time in my life, consistently, I look in the mirror and what is reflected back to me is someone that I am proud of and that I allow to both say, take 2020 as an example, this year I have accomplished a lot and it is very hard. And I think I uh, have normally not allowed myself the freedom to allow both of those truths to exist simultaneously. And so I think to back up in a shorter sentence, because that was like a four sentences I packed into one, uh, I am at peace and content with my life now because I'm willing to allow the good and the hard to live together. Wow. I like this person that you said, I deserve it. Uh, some, most of us don't, don't want to claim it like don't want to own it, own it up to it. Like you said, it was so hard for you to accomplish what you did. And now you're in a space where you can be like, you know what, I did the work and I'm going to say I'm proud of myself and I deserve everything that I have. And I know that I know that to be good. That is such a difficult thing because most of us kind of want to hide. You know, we don't want to be too narcissistic. Yeah. Well, and I think, and I think that what's happened is we've been, we've been dealt a disservice that for a long time, many of us, uh, and, and I think we can see, well, let me, let me make my statement and we'll figure out where it plays out. But I think, I think for a long time we have been dealt a lie that says the ability to look in the mirror and to look at what you see and believe it's good means that must be at the cost of someone else. And I think that's a lie. Right? Like, so we have been conditioned, the phrase we, we use around here a lot, like we've been conditioned 
to walk past the mirror and go to the window so that we can see the good outside and then we try to convince ourselves that was for us. So I don't think the problem is that we, again, it's not that we don't know who we are. The problem is not that we don't think that, uh, that we can be content. The problem is not that we don't uh, understand uh, the right language or analogies or uh, it, it is simply, I say simply, that's a loaded statement. It is, it is simply because most of us, when we go to the mirror, we don't recognize who we are looking at. And therefore, we default to believe that it is not good. Like confidence, I, I think, self-confidence is simply the ability to look at yourself and say that it's good. Like, so confidence in general is the ability to look at anything and believe it's good. I'm confident that my car will get me home. Why? Because I look at my car and I believe it's good. If the car was bad, I wouldn't get in. I wouldn't drive it. I wouldn't trust it. It does. It's not good. There's no confidence in it. So when people go, I lack confidence, I lack self-confidence, I don't know, okay, no, no, you just look at yourself and believe that you are not good. That's at the most simple form. Now, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pieces and a lot of work and trauma, and there's so much thing, there's so many things to do to get us to a place. That's not a snap of a finger. But in the most simple terms is, I try to describe it that way for people because I want them to understand, hey, it's just that it, it, the lack of confidence is just because you don't recognize yourself. And so when you don't recognize yourself, you don't believe it's good. If you don't believe it's good, well, it's really hard to love yourself. It is. This ritual that you're talking about of going in front of a mirror is something that I also believe in. It was very hard for me to do too. Um, literally for the same reason that you mentioned that every time I noticed that something good was happening in my life, I thought it was at the expense of someone because that's what society has condition, conditioned us to believe among other facets that you just so eloquently put. But I want to focus on you and go back to a time when you were just starting to develop that language, to use the phrase, that self-love language, and it was difficult to look at yourself in the mirror. Tell me, like, what was that like? Like, what would happen? What would go through your head when you're looking in the mirror and you've got a little hateful words in your, in your mind? What was that like when you were still kind of teaching yourself? Uh, yeah, I just, I avoided the mirror. Uh, uh, I mean, let's just go back to the beginning. I just avoided the mirror as much as possible. I mean, I mean, I, the, you know, the question I ask folks a lot, and I think the question I ask myself is, uh, when, when it, it, for those of you that are listening, when is the last time that you were really, really mad at yourself? You were having a dialogue with yourself, telling yourself how terrible you were, and the first thing you did is you went to the mirror and looked at yourself in the eyes and said the things out loud that you'd been saying to yourself in your head. And I know the answer resounding almost at 100% is all of us would say, I don't do that. That sounds awful. Okay. So if it sounds awful to go to the mirror and look at yourself and tell yourself out loud the things you say in your head, then why are you sitting in your room by yourself telling yourself those things in your head? Oof. Right? And so like uh, most of us, I think, a lot of us, me, <laughs> uh, when it's hard, I avoid the mirror, literally and metaphorically. I don't want to see it. I don't want to look at myself. I don't want to catch my reflection. I don't want to... Now, here's the, here's the opposite analogy to, to, to prove that we're onto something. When, you, when we feel fresh, our outfit is on point, we are ready to go, what is the very first thing that we do? And, and, and people are, who are listening, you can't see us. The first thing we do is, A, we get right. that selfie mode, front-facing camera, <laughs> portrait mode, right? And we're like, feel no, cute, might delete later, right? Why? Well, not delete later. <laughs> right. Why? 
Because <laughs> where did we go when we decided that we wanted to see and we felt good about what was reflected? Where did we go? We went to the mirror. Why? Because in that moment, we were willing to look at ourselves and say, I believe what I see and what I see is good. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me to go back and to, to kind of walk through the journey is, uh, yeah, it's been hard and it's been difficult because uh, I avoided the mirror for the majority of my life. And so when you avoid the mirror, you inevitably allow someone else's reflection of you to convince you that's who you are. Right? You allow perception to convince you who you are. You allow someone else's opinion to convince you who you are. You allow the words of someone else, the, the way that we phrase it uh, in, in um, I'm, I'm, Attempting to finish uh, wrapping up writing the book um, and get it to the editor. The book is called Kill Doubt, Build Conviction. So the idea of like addressing the doubt in our life. And so I think we're going to kind of tie it together here. But in, in there, we talk about um, when it comes to the, the stories in our life, where, where we kind of ha- where does this image come from about who we are um, that we, when we can't see ourselves clearly? It's because typically someone else in our life, even if it was well intended. OK, so I, I want to be very clear. This is not normally uh, it, it is the case for some. I think the majority of us, it is not intentional harm that someone was trying to cause us. Yet, the, I think a lot of the trauma many of us experience in our life is because there was a pain that someone in our life who had influence was experiencing. And they communicated their pain to us as an insufficiency that we carried. We viewed their perception of our insufficiency, and that translates and transforms into an insecurity. Mm-hmm. And when mm. we build an insecurity based off somebody else's perception, that's not our ability to look at ourselves in the mirror. Then what happens is, is we lose the ability to see ourselves clearly. So we don't go back to the mirror anymore for what's true. We go even at times we go to the trauma because it feels most comfortable. We go to the trauma because it feels most accurate. We or we avoid both and we feel lost. We avoid both and we go, I don't know me, and I know I'm not that, but I don't know who I am. And so there has to be a moment, even though this is a little bit cheesy, there has to be a moment that if you're going to dress your wounds, you have to be willing to address your wounds. So like, uh, I can't stop the bleeding until I go, oh, look, I am in pain. I am bleeding. So you got to stop long enough. We have to stop long enough. I had to stop long enough. Stop moving. Stop trying to win. Stop trying to be the hero. Stop trying to impress. Stop trying to show everybody that I'm better than you think that I am. I could stop long enough to go, oh, man, look at my side. I'm bleeding. Why am I bleeding? Why do I stain everything with blood? Why does everything always feel like it's being ruined? Maybe the common denominator there, even if it was out of my control and out of my uh, ability to change at that point in my life, I can't dress my wounds until I'm willing to address my wounds. And when I can begin to see, oh, I am bleeding, I can begin to say, how do I repair this and how do I heal? And only upon the healing does it provide a space for me to come back to, to go in the mirror and say, now I can actually see who I am. And it doesn't remove, negate, or take away the thoughts, feelings, or emotions of what we experienced. It allows those things to be the marker for us to say, because of those things, I can now see myself clearly. And so when I look in the mirror, I will see myself and I will believe that it's good. Yes, you literally just described what caused me to start down to suicidal depression and then realized that I had to come out of it. Except in my case, somebody else had to yell, stop, you're bleeding. I couldn't, I was drowning so much that I I couldn't do it myself. But literally every single thing that you just mentioned, me 
feeding into the perception and, you know, going back to the narrative of the trauma, because like you said, it's easier to do that. My God, like, <laughs> it's like, you knew me before. This is crazy. Um, but so, Rocky, maintaining that level of contentment that you were talking about there, it takes a lot of work on a daily basis. I think you touched upon that. It's a, it's a lot of hard work. Um, it's not perfect. And sometimes as humans, we flip. So tell me what discontent feels like for you when it happens. Like what kind of emotions are you dealing with when you have that moment of kind of like when you slip? Yeah, I mean, I think the, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, the overarching security. I think the yeah. specific doubt or insecurity would be um, the fact that I'm insufficient, that I'm not mm -hmm. doing enough, I am not enough, I'm not providing enough, um, that I am not tilling the earth enough to prove to someone that I'm valuable and useful. Um, and so what happens is, is I tend to feel this bearing weight of like, hey, you better do more. And if not, they're going to leave, like fill in the gap of ABC and who has left you before. And if you don't mm -hmm. want them to leave, then you better keep going. And so when I recognize that, uh, I would like to say that most of the time I'm like, just kidding, that's not me. But most of the time I'm like, work harder, keep going, you know, dig in deep. And again, I think just to your point earlier, it typically requires someone in my life who I have, who I allow the opportunity to go, hey, bro, you're bleeding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it, I, know, I know you're running hard, but I don't know if you can tell that you're limping. Uh, what, what, why, why are you, why are you running while you're injured? And I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm not injured. I'm fine. You know, like, <laughs> it's just a bruise. It's just a scratch. You know, and they're like, no, you literally, your leg is hanging off. And I'm like, okay, you're right. My leg is hanging off. I should stop. And so I think those, those, the, when it comes to that, I, what, you know, we chalk it up to discontentment or, uh, I think typically one, it, it's where I land on going, I need more than I have. And so when I, when I, uh, maybe I should say I have more than I, I want more than I need. That's, that's probably the most accurate way to describe it. When I am in a position in anywhere, myself, my family, my friends, business, money, whatever, when I recognize, oh, I have felt this pressure that I want more than I need, something's off. Like something, mm -hmm. something, and that, that doesn't mean I don't, I mean, I, I listen to me, I'm an achiever. I like to work. I like to get it done. I have my list. I like to wake up on a Saturday. Uh, let's get that. Let's just get the leaf blower out. Let's clean up the driveway. Let's blow all the leaves off. Let's wash it off. Let's get a cup of coffee and look out the window and be like, dude, you killed the driveway, bro. The driveway is looking nice. Now you can, now you can relax. But you did you like, like I'm, I'm with you. Like, so I don't, I don't want yeah, like, anyway, like. I don't want to paint this picture of like Don't this contentment me. of like, you know, I have a, like a mustache and I'm just sitting off with incense burning. I probably have incense burning. That's because I like them. Uh, but it's also like, like that's not that, that, that calm contentment for me doesn't necessarily equate to, to lack of movement. I would say I am probably most content when I'm still actively moving and still going. And I think when those things are occurring, I think that typically is where uh, it gives me the opportunity and space um, when I am doing that, when I am, when I am watching myself be active, it is, it, it is what direction is the activity headed in though. It's not activity for activity's sake so that somebody else will watch me work and go, Hey, you're good. You're good. You're valuable. I saw you. I saw you plowing. You're valuable. No, 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 no. I want to, I want to go and cultivate something because I believe it's what I was designed and made to go cultivate. I don't, that the phrase, the phrase I, we use is like, I want to cultivate things in life. I'm not trying to conquer them anymore. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't, you can't conquer contentment. That doesn't exist. You're a human being uh, out of control and an irrational, emotional person. You're that, uh, uh, conquering contentment. No, but the ability to cultivate a life that fosters, grows, breeds contentment. Okay. Now we're onto something because it requires 
space. It requires the evolution of things. It requires things to be fed and to watered and to recognize the weeds and to plumb. We can we could go down a garden metaphor. You know, we could drive that bad boy in the ground. We don't need to do that. But I think there's this idea that we 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 at least I see sometimes like we create this false sense of like if I could just get there, then I would stay there, and I would never get any lower on whatever scale we want to use, right? When it's like, no, 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 get, get uh, well, number one, if you have a scale, get rid of it, okay? We don't, there's no scales when you're bleeding. You're either bleeding or you are not bleeding. So get rid of this. If you're bleeding, to, to your point, because I think you said something that I want to come back to. If you're listening to this, let this be the moment for you that if you hear it, bro, you're bleeding. And, and, and not, not me and not, not not you, my, my my wonderful host. I'm talking about our listener. I'm talking about the ones who's interacting with us. And if, if you're looking for a voice in your life to say, hey, you're bleeding and it's okay to stop and to slow down and to address the wound so that you can dress it, this is the, this is the this is the moment. <laughs> this is that voice for you. Mm. Mm. So I wanted to talk about forgiveness as well, because it ties into what we're discussing. And you wrote something on your page, which, like, as I said in the beginning, your words, like the power in these words. So I'm just going to read this out here. You said, um, forgiveness, forgive yourself first. Forgive yourself for all the unrealistic expectations you've put on yourself. Forgive yourself for the moments where you've fallen short. Forgive yourself for not living up to everyone else's dreams for you. Forgive yourself for everything in your past that you cannot change. Now move forward, breathe. You now have an opportunity to write the rest of your days one by one. You have the power to love yourself and lead a life of deep conviction. You deserve this. You deserve to be free from the shadows that used to follow you. You deserve to be free from the standards that the world has put on you. You deserve to live your life in a way that is true to your core identity and to love it. Man, <laughs> like I'm, I'm almost about to cry. Like this book that you're writing needs to get on the stands like today. I can't <laughs> wait for it. Wow. Like, wow. Okay. Woo. So... I wanted to um, put everything that you said there into actionable context for anyone who's listening, especially now that you're literally um, directly engaging with the listener. So what is the first small step that anyone who's listening needs to take today in order to start this forgiveness journey? What do they need to do right after listening to the voice that brought your bleeding, right? After they've internalized that message and realized action is to be taken, what are they doing to start this forgiveness journey? That small step, actionable yeah. step. Yeah, I think so. You're, to your point, step one, uh, acknowledge that you are bleeding. Step two, acknowledge the fact that you absolutely deserve to be healed, to be forgiven, and to stop bleeding. Don't 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 think about what bandage I need. Don't talk about what size damn bandaid it is. Don't tell me the kind of gauze or don't tell me what we don't we don't actually don't even have to get into yet what exactly happened and how you started bleeding. We'll get there. Not yet though. Step one, you're bleeding. Step two, guess what? You're a human being. All of us are bleeding. Why? 
because we're all living, breathing, active, individual human beings. To go with our metaphor, not to be too graphic, full of blood. It's all in there. It is never, ever not moving, changing, growing, pulsing. It is, it is, the, li it is the lifeline to us. And so before you decide that you're going to fix it all and become, uh, you know, the king or queen of peace and contentment, and you're going to just, just to pause, hit the brakes a little bit. The only way the wound gets addressed, dressed, and healed is that you're going to look at it, and then you're going to look at yourself in the mirror, and you're going to say, I deserve to be healed. I deserve to, I deserve the opportunity to work on this. I deserve the chance to be free. I deserve the chance to allow myself to be seen. I, I deserve, with a phrase we use is, I deserve to be known. I deserve to be seen. I deserve to be known. I deserve to be understood. And until you believe that, I can't do that for you. I can't make that happen for you. I'm, I'm literally, uh, when we're done, I'm going to record a podcast uh, for it to go out this week. And the title of the podcast is, I am not the answer. Like, I can't do that for you. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a surgeon. You don't even need a doctor or a surgeon. You just need to say, do you believe that you are valuable and worthy enough and that you deserve the opportunity to live a life just like you see everybody else? Because until you do that, no matter what I say or how I challenge you or encourage you or motivate you or put a post up or talk to you on the phone or hold your hand or be near to you, no matter, no matter what I think I might be able to do, None of that is going to sink in or matter until you believe that you are somebody who deserves it. And believing that you are valuable, believing that you are worthy, believing that there is an inherent weight and a goodness to you as a human being, only you have the power to believe that about yourself. And I think it's great you were talking about the cultivation metaphor earlier because once you start doing that, Right, because the cultivation metaphor creates this picture that sometimes you're not going to have anything growing, right? Like it's going to be barren, it's going to be hard, it's going to be tough, right? Especially with forgiveness. Like I am struggling with forgiveness. My my crops, there's nothing. It's, it's barren, Rocky. I am struggling to to okay, forgive. But hold on, but listen, but listen, but listen, yeah. listen, 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 listen to me. Listen to me. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not barren. Right now is just not the season that we're going to harvest the crops. The, the soil is fertile. The, the dirt has been tilled. The weeds have been pulled. Yeah. Where you are, you are standing at the edge of your field that you have worked on meticulously to get ready to plant. And the only inhibition you have is, if I plant this, is that thing, that person, that idea, that thing that I can't allow myself to let go of, is that thing going to come back and ruin all of my work? Because if it is, this is, i.e., this is lack of forgiveness of self. If it is, I'm not even going to go out there and plant the seeds if it's going to ruin it. I would rather just look out there and know that I did, at least I did part of it. It's ready. I don't know when it's going to be ready, but the field is ready. I don't want to plant it yet. No, 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 no. You're not going to destroy your own work. Maybe you have in the past. Maybe you've self-sabotaged in the past. Maybe you're somebody who is, but I would even say self-sabotage. That, that some, somebody who weren't, wasn't doing that made up that term. Nobody who was in the midst of doing that said, you know what I'm doing? I'm self-sabotaging. No one who's in the midst of it has ever said that. Only somebody from the outside says that. No, you're not self-sabotaging. You're surviving. You're keeping yourself safe. You are doing everything that your body, mind, and soul has learned to do in order to keep yourself in a position that feels the most safe. 
where you have to do is say, do you trust that when you forgive yourself that you are going to relinquish enough control and still trust that you're going to be safe? Wow. And if so, yeah. then on the edge of the field, say, I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to, I, let's back up. I'm going to work towards forgiving myself. And I'm going to work towards forgiving them, whoever them is on the other side. And therefore, I'm not going to self-sabotage. That's not a real thing. I'm going to allow myself the experience to try to walk away from simply surviving into thriving, which means I'm going to take a risk and put in the work and I'm going to put the seed in the ground and I'm going to watch what grows and I'm going to believe that it's good. I deserve it <laughs> because I deserve it. <laughs> I swear you're coming for my tears today, Rocky. Don't do this. Um, so I, the other question that I had for you was resources. Obviously, I want to make it known to the listeners that your page is, there's so much content on there that is so helpful. So that's like resource number one. You've got this book that's coming out that you're working on um, that you mentioned earlier that you got to get to your editor. I'm excited for the book. Um, but, um, when it comes to like, tell me about like resources that you have used yourself in the past, like maybe books that you read that changed your outlook and like, you know, brought more uh, fuel to your journey, things like that, or any talks So you know, little things like that. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. If there's anything come to mind. Yeah. Yeah. So there, uh, I mean, I think uh, just chalk it up to anything that Brene Brown has ever done, touched, been on or spoken yeah. on. The answer is yes. So I, that, yeah. I'm, I'm not even going to try to give you all the things she's ever done. I'm just saying <laughs> if no. she has done it, the answer is yes. So uh, resource number one, go to Brene Brown uh, because she is wildly in tune with humans and immensely smart and has data and research to back up uh, where I would say at this point in my life, I'm an opinion leader. Right? I'm not a thought leader. I'm an opinion leader. I just got a lot of opinions about stuff. Uh, I, at this point, the only place that I can chalk it up to research is my own life. Uh, the thing I love about Brene Brown is that is also true for her. And she is also a thought leader because she has 25 years of research and data experience to back up what she's saying. So if you think anything you have said that you like, uh, go to her and you will love. So that's I would say that's resource number one. Um, I would say resource number two is not something you're going to go purchase. It's some, well, maybe it's going, you're going to purchase it, but it's not a book or a podcast. Uh, I would say the second resource is find a way in your life to either get a coach or a coaching community to have accountability that gives you the opportunity to hear an unbiased third party resource. Like you need it. You need an unbiased third party voice in your life that is that you trust and believe in that you are willing to allow to speak truth to you that doesn't carry the weight of being a, your, your best friend. Uh, so whatever that looks like, however that is, wherever that goes, uh, for sure, one of the greatest things I have is people in my life, both friends, not people I would say are not friends per se, but they're people who speak truth to me. Uh, and, and sometimes it's only once a year. Sometimes it's twice a year. Sometimes it's, it doesn't have to be like this, uh, but a place to go to represent yourself and then to get feedback on that that doesn't tie in this like, but what do they really think? And are we going to go to lunch later? No, no, get, get rid of all that. Give yourself a space to allow yourself to be seen for who you are. Because I think that's that was transformational to me to be able to be in positions where I got to uh, not reinvent. I was already good for the core for who I was. I think for me to represent the reality of who I was in a space that didn't feel like it was being battled for, for me to prove anything, I could just be me. When you see that and that's affirmed in you, it's I think it's wildly important. Uh, the third one would be there's a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Um, 
I think uh, it's a it's a it's a great book. It's a, it's not a, it's not a long read. It's kind of a, a shorter book, but just the way that it talks about our humanity, our ability to understand ourselves, our emotions, uh, how that relates to our spirituality, and what that looks like, and those how how intertwined those things are. Um, if anybody, if that's if that's your cup of tea, um, I think that's a that's a that's a really great resource as well. Yeah. So tell the listeners more about where to find you, like what is the website, the you know, social media, how can they, if they're listening right now, they're like, wow, I want Bucket to be my coach, which is something that I just realized myself, <laughs> but I'll look into that later. <laughs> but um, what, how are they finding you? Where do they yeah. go? Yeah. So, um, well, uh, if you want to make it super easy, just go to Google, type in Rocky Garza. There's not very many of us. And if you see my face, just go to that, whatever that is. Uh, you can also go to whatever platform you enjoy. So, uh, Instagram is just at Rocky Garza. Facebook is facebook.com slash Rocky Garza. Um, LinkedIn is LinkedIn slash in slash Rocky Garza. Um, or, uh, you can just go to the website, rockygarza.com. Um, and you can uh, check out there for whether it's speaking, whether it's coaching. Uh, we have resources on there. So whether that's just a single coaching session you want, um, you want to join one of our groups, you want to do one-on-one. Uh, we have a process called identity mapping that you can purchase and take. I take individuals through. It's a it's a half day, four hour, one-on-one intensive we go through to give you the clearest language of who you are you've ever had. Um, or if you're like, hey, that seems like a lot. I just want something easy and simple. Um, we have a text messaging service called the Daily Rock. Uh, it's a text message we send out every day, Monday through Friday. It's free of charge, just a way to challenge, encourage, and motivate you. So it's kind of our version of like one-on-one Twitter. Uh, we're trying to just give you something short, sweet to think on for that day. Um, and you can just send us a text message. And so uh, the phone number to that, you can write down when you're listening, and we'll make sure and drop it in the show notes for you. But um, the phone number is 469-649-8441. And that's a real phone number. Uh, you can literally just send a text message. Um, you can just say self-love, text me that, that way I know where you came from. Um, and we'll get you coordinated there. And, uh, again, there'll be a short form for you to fill out just so that I'm not a creeper and I can legally send you a text message. Um, but past that, we'll do our best to get you something Monday through Friday, every morning as a way to challenge, encourage, and motivate you. And then lastly, we do have a podcast called the weekly rock, uh, which comes out in, uh, every Wednesday around noon, we have a new episode out and it's just me They're short and simple, 15 minutes or less, whatever I thought about that week and note that I took something I wanted to rant on. Uh, and by rant, meaning someone I wanted just to say and say and share with you, would love for you to check that out as well. And if in all those things don't work, uh, shoot me an email. We can chat that way if you want. <laughs> Thank you. So as a last thing, I'll finish this sentence for me, Rocky. Um, I am ready for whatever's coming my way, and no matter how painful it is, because. Because I believe and trust that the world is much bigger than me. That goodness in life uh, far exceeds my current circumstance. And that at the end of the day, uh, I believe that I'm a part of something much, much bigger than myself. And there you have it, guys. I really hope that this was a transformative coaching session for you, just as it was for me. I actually really needed the reminder because I came to a point where things were literally about to blow up because I was putting so much pressure on myself to get a lot of things done and to be good at them right away, which is something that I tend to do. It's, it's, a, it's a curse that I inflict on myself every single time. So I actually needed this reminder to pause, reflect, audit my life and notice parts where I needed to slow down, notice parts where I needed to ask for help, notice parts where I needed some rest. And I'm so glad I spoke to Rocky because I did exactly that after this episode. Um, I actually wanted to share a journal entry that 
came out of me taking a minute to breathe. Um, I wrote this on the 18th of November, 2020. So it goes, what if I just trusted that I'm well on my way towards the things that I desired the most, whether it's having a public career, love or healing? What if I were to just let go of how it all has to be and just let it be? What would I lose? Hmm. Even just reading it now is, is kind of like getting all my spiritual senses excited, right? Because I just needed to remember that nothing has to be immediate. Nothing has to happen right away. Um, and to be patient with myself, which is so hard with this pandemic because it has worked us out. It has bled into all areas of our lives and it just seems like it's never going to end. So I hope this episode serves as a reminder for you too to remember that you're entitled to take this time to recalibrate. I know things might not seem like they're ideal for that, but you're actually entitled to do that and you can. It starts by recognizing that you need help, as I said earlier. It starts by saying no to things if you have to, right? So that you can create that sacred space for yourself to heal. So I really, really hope you guys take that with you today. If you realize today that you're bleeding, you've, you've got to act. You've got to act because you've got to survive this pandemic and come out winning. That's my intention anyway, and I hope that it's yours too. So anyway, please don't forget to share the, posca- uh, the podcast <laughs> um, with uh, a loved one, obviously, and bring them to my Instagram page at Mandela's Disciple. So that's at M-A-N-D-E-L-A-S-D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E at Mandela's Disciple. Other than that, thank you so much for connecting again. And I hope that you're staying safe out there.